liberties have been under attack for years. But this week, another more subtle theme has emerged. Our protections are on the block, too. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, mostly. For sure, that's true today, although next week I'll be on 3 to 5. I have um, an important conflict, but uh, it'll be jam-packed, so don't worry about that. But we are on uh, from 3 to 6 today, and as you know, if you listen to the show... I try to take the most important story of the week and talk about why it's important and what it kind of means to us and our future. But this week, there were numerous stories that I feel came together and really brought home to me uh, something that I'd kind of seen coming. I tweeted about earlier, and I and I realized that uh, I feel like there are a lot of these are the beginning murmurings, the beginning. And they're laying the groundwork for taking away our protections. And um, it's it's easy for us, to, I think, to identify when our rights and our liberties are in the crosshairs. But the protections are really what is uh, is what we use to defend ourselves from government prosecution, persecution and and prosecution. So it's not as front and center for us until it happens to you, which is why, uh, you know, that to to want to assert your right to bear arms, everyone is aware of that. If that right went away, it would just disappear for everybody and you'd have uh, problems. But it's those other things, those protections that uh, are are actually, in my opinion, Critical. You you don't get those other things if you can't protect yourself. And this is what I mean. Uh, say the whole premise of our government, Bill of Rights, whatever, let's say, assuming we accept the official narrative on that, is that we, we have this government formed by the people, and as a protection against them, we have the Bill of Rights because there's an inherent conflict of interest between the two. That... Where the power is, those people are going to want to centralize the power, increase the power, exploit the power for their own benefit and privilege. And they, because of that, you have stated rights and you have these protections and all that kind of stuff, too, so you can keep that in check. So uh, as we can all see that there's a trend to taking away the rights and liberties that are enshrined in the Bill of Rights and... Uh, like, for example, YouTube, Google, Facebook, these are all, in my mind, quasi-governmental entities because of where they came from, how they were supported, and uh, all of that soon to be um, benefited by regulatory barriers to entry, the censorship, whatever, that only they are going to be able to deliver so the little guy won't even be able to compete. That's all government-orchestrated, and uh, when they censor us, to me, that's an encroachment on freedom of speech. So they are censoring us. Anybody who's done a Google search or looked for something on YouTube the past month or two since the Parkland shooting will know that uh, uh, it's highly curated now towards official narratives. There's very little that kind of um, chaotic uh, serendipity aspect of the Internet is pretty much gone, at least at these mainstream, you know, the, the stuff you see first, that level. 
But if you still break through this censorship regime and and start to make an impact on them, they can uh, they might want to take you out. So that's what the Fourth, Fifth and Sixth Amendments are for. So uh, the Fourth Amendment says you you can you can't just have your stuff searched and seized all day long. It has to be specific stuff with a warrant saying what you did. The reason is if they can take all your stuff and just and store it at a fusion center, which is exactly what they're doing, uh, and then they want to get you on something, they can go go through that and kind of mine the data to find something you did wrong. And it's not just if you're a child molester, you know, and they find that stuff on, they can. A lot of laws aren't even inherently wrong. They're just against the law. They can get you. Nanny gate. You know, they can, if you didn't pay Social Security for a worker or if you grow pot in your backyard, I mean, stuff like that, which you could dispute is even should be criminal. They they can go back if they want to stifle your freedom of speech. They can go back and mine through the data. That's why you want to preserve the Fourth Amendment. Too late. We lost it. The Fifth Amendment um, talks about due process. You can't be deprived of life, liberty, or property. They can't take your stuff or kill you or put you in jail without due process of law. And then the Sixth Amendment lays out what that due process is. You get a the right to a speedy and public trial. You can face your accuser. You have impartial jury. Uh, you can get um, com- compel witnesses to testify. And you have the assistance of counsel for the defense. That way, they can't trump charges up against you that you didn't really do or um, dig into old stuff or, or violate their own rules to put you away. So these three amendments are really important, and these are the ones that I am, am seeing as all – the Sixth Amendment is a new one that I hadn't, hadn't been on my radar, but all these things are going away now. And there were a few examples of them. One uh, of, of what I'm talking about, how they can get you for the wrong thing – just to shut you up. There was a guy named Nachio who ran Quest Communications when the Bush administration wanted warrantless wiretaps. He was the only guy who refused, and a short time later, he was put in jail for four years for insider trading. And his attorney wanted to say, these guys were out to get me as retaliation for saying no to their illegal wiretap. And the judge said, for national security reasons, you can't mount that defense. So he wasn't even entitled to his defense. Another guy, Sachtlieben, was an FBI agent who blew the whistle on the second underwear bomber who had been a British intelligence officer, agent, and this guy apparently didn't want anyone to get hurt, so he blew the whistle, and in what I think the Washington Post described as a bizarre coincidence, they found on this guy's computer kitty porn, so he went to jail for that. This week, Bill Cosby is facing jail. He was convicted uh, of, but not yet sentenced, if I understand correctly, of a um, sexual crime that he had settled 12 years ago with the victim, gave her money, 3 or $4 million was the report I read. And I believe this was the one where he made a deal with the prosecutor. You could not bring me up on criminal charges because I'm not admitting I did it, but I'm paying her off for that reason because I don't want this trouble. So why I think the reason Bill Cosby is in this kind of trouble is that he undermines the disempowering race narrative of the left. And and that's why they want to shut him up. He really interferes with, uh, you know, he might he might actually have some good advice that could uh, change the path of this um, uh, 
you know, the racial problems that give so much political power to to the left, I would say, in this case. So these are all reasons. Uh, these are all people, I think, have been kind of persecuted by the government, and that is why we want to keep these rights strong. Yet I see attacks from all different directions. Michael Cohn, Cohen, uh, whose stuff was raided by the FBI, he's a lawyer, Trump's lawyer. Trump tweeted, attorney-client privilege is dead. I think Trump did that, basically put that in play. But it, it's outrageous, in my opinion. The warrant is sealed, so we can't see what really happened. But people on the left are saying, well, if they got the warrant, it must have been they must have had that really, really serious stuff that they would have needed, which just gives the benefit of the doubt to the government, which is the last thing you want to do. That's what these protections are for. Uh, there was one um, story in Columbine I read where Columbine not only had the massacre, but it had a later event. And since then, they followed troubled teens uh, have them go to psychiatric care, and now authorities are saying they want to access those records. So I see doctor-patient confidentiality in the crosshairs. I also noticed that Omar Mateen's widow was on trial, the Orlando um, Pulse shooter, for possibly knowing what he was up to. And whether it's directly spousal privilege or not, I believe this is an indication that spousal privilege will be in the crosshair. Hair. So these confidentiality relationships are very uh, important for us to have the help that we need. Um, it's important for stable society. And I feel that these things are all in the crosshairs. And I also think um, even the right to a trial or a public defender is coming under attack with the Parkland shooter, Nicholas Cruz, with the argument being that I've been hearing, basically, we know he's guilty. Why should the taxpayers pay for this stuff? But the taxpayers need to pay for it because it's the government who uh, puts you in jeopardy. And that's why I think a public defender is the only entitlement, the only, like, we will pay for this entitlement in the Constitution, if I'm correct about that. Uh, so I realized that was a million things. I want to get into all of them, and we have some really fun and interesting uh, Comey clips that where he's trying to prove that what I just said is not true, but I can prove that he cannot be trusted. So we've got that. Uh, my trusty producer, Binkley, is here reading tweets and helping with these clips and the research. How are you doing, Binkley? I'm great. How are you? Obviously, I took your advice and had an extra cup of coffee. Always. <laughs> but um, I think people are going to have to listen to this show on like half speed <laughs> and so they can they can find that on propaganda report daily on tuesday i'm going to try to slow it down um but do we do have time to squeeze a tweet in what you got for me all right i have one from more news one who says the government seems to be overstepping its bounds across the board especially in the cohen and mateen cases and then adds insult to injury by forcing the public to pay for protracted or uh proacted Protracted litigation. Ugh. <laughs> that that is interesting. I hadn't thought of that angle. Is that there that uh, to the extent that the Parkland shooting, if if we're if there was, if we're not really getting the whole story, and there were some issues with this, you know, I think she's implying that maybe there's some there's funny business going on with some of these stories. Which of course I'm the first person to want to look down that rabbit hole. Uh, then we have to pay for it. We have to pay for for them setting things up uh, 
to use against us. So we can explore that idea. I want to get into some of the Comey stuff. Um, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Wow, that was intense. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. 75 and sunny outside the studio. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. I am going to go to a call. I'm going to Will in Atlanta. Hi, Will. You're on with Monica. Good afternoon. Appreciate you taking my call. Um, I just wanted to uh, take issue with your supposition about what started off our country. Um, Our forefathers knew that America is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecies of Zion. We rely on the protection of divine providence. Uh, only America was founded by the righteous remnant black and Celt uh, of the House of so, Israel. So why did they have to write all that stuff down? Why didn't it just happen? Like the Bill of Rights, why do that if it's a totally divine, you know what I mean? Well, there are 18 forms of the word elected, the Constitution. Elect means chosen of God. Our, our founders knew it. Uh, we understand most Southerners understand that. So our why did they have to put protections in from governmental abuse? Because the government, uh, this is Satan's planet, and the government has to be the dog on the leash. And that now we have Rome and the false Jews have taken us over. That's who- but if the government is divine, then why do you have to put it on a leash? Like I'm not. Fo- I just don't think that your premise holds water. You know what I mean. So I'm sorry. I didn't mean to stump you. I'm going to uh, <laughs> I'm going to move on. But um, so, Binkley, you made a good point before saying uh, that the the leak is like that. This stuff that Comey was bringing out uh, was he was self-referencing his own leak. So what I'm going to do. I actually don't have time to get into it until after the break. So we've got a lot of clips cut up. And I want to lay out how Comey is there to restore our confidence in the system. But all of his arguments kind of collapse in on themselves because, in my opinion, he's just an actor. He's just like a lifetime actor. I'm going to get into that, his deep, dark backstory. This is going to blow your mind. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB, and I think as a libertarian, I tend to have an open mind. I don't think you can get that way be a libertarian if you don't question the assumptions. So when people call, I want to hear what they have to say but and what they really mean. But I have gotten uh, a lot of trolls lately. So if you're listening before the break, I don't always pick up on it because I really don't follow what they're saying. Um, and one of the things that I've always kind of stood by is that I will not be rude to somebody or hang up on them. I really want to hear what they have to say. But now that I'm getting a rash of trolls, so so I some of my like when I criticize Sheriff Israel during the Parkland shooting, my YouTube, I got a strike on my YouTube channel. So I'm, I'm getting WordPress takedown notices like I'm getting hit there. The one place that has never given me any censorship is WSB. And now all of a sudden I'm getting trolls. 
So I'm just going to say, you know, I got it. Now I got to respond to that. If you're going to call with bigotry or anti-Semitism or profanity or calls to violence, I have to assume that you're trying to mess with me and my show and that, uh, you know, I, I have to deal with that accordingly. So now I'm going to have to be aware of that. But it, it happened all of a sudden. I'm not always I just I, from this moment on, I have to be more uh, skeptical when, that I always give the people the benefit of the doubt that they are they are honestly trying to express something. And sometimes I don't hear the messages that they're trying to send. So hopefully we'll keep up on that. Maybe Binkley, you can say, hey, don't troll. Maybe you have a little bell. There not there a bell on your side of the. There you go. So if you, if you, if you like, I'm troll trying bell. to figure out, what is it? Troll bell? The troll bell, yes. So if you ever, like, think, like, why are you, this guy is a troll. Because what, I remember a guy called a while back um, saying he thought the earth was flat. And I don't think the earth is flat. I've actually circled the globe in a plane in one week. So I don't think it's flat. Um, I've been in the Concord. We can actually see the curvature of the earth, but I wanted to hear why the guy thought the earth was flat and, uh, and he didn't really convince me, but then he, I got a lot of, he called himself at the end of it. He called back later on a different subject some weeks later. And he's like, Hey, it's, it's Mark flat earth, Mark, you know, but he wasn't talking about that. That was just, I loved it. I thought it was sweet. But if people were tweeting at me during the call saying, you know, you got to hang up on this guy. He's a nut job. And I'm like, you know, <clears throat> let's just hear what he has to say. Like, I'm sure he's wrong. So let's just talk about it. And then maybe we can help the guy out or you'll know where these people are coming from, what they really think. But when it starts to get, you know, there's just no place at all for, uh, you know, bigotry, anti-Semitism, racism, homophobia. You can't just start a demonizing groups. That's bad. That's where this whole you know, that's the dialectic that is being generated for us to create uh, civil unrest in this country. And it's this divisiveness, the ideology of tyranny that is leading to us losing our rights. So with this Michael Cohn attorney-client privilege breach, uh, I was looking, the ACLU put out a statement. I was like, or or a, somebody who worked for the ACLU, I'm not sure if it was an official ACL statement, but... He said, well, I'm sh- the warrant was sealed, so we do not know if they – I don't see the scenario under which they had a strong enough case to take the very unusual step of raiding a lawyer's office. But this guy at the ACLU said, well, I'm sure they had enough evidence or they wouldn't have gotten the warrant. <laughs> you know, So this kind of circular nonsense – makes the left, you know, they were, they're just so crazed on anything that could hurt Trump that they're willing to give the benefit of the doubt to the government and total abandonment of their principles. Whereas from left to right, we should stand shoulder to shoulder and say, no, you can't take those protections away. The tables turn. The ideological differences aren't even that great. The welfare warfare continuum super state is all we're ever going to get from either party. So it doesn't matter. What we what we need to band together is our own personal protections. You want to be a communist? Move to California. You know, it just doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. Just preserve the Tenth Amendment and you can have what you want. Anyway, I'm frustrated. I can tell. I know. So anyway, you know, I just, whatever. I am going to keep trying, though. I'm not going to let it get me down. See, I'm smart enough to know 
you know, after enough, <laughs> maybe it's not very smart, but eventually, maybe I'm a little thick-headed, eventually I'm going to wake up to this stuff. Uh, so, okay, Finkley, where were we? What are we talking about? Well, we were talking about how they were taking away our rights and the uh, trial attorney pr- or yes. the attorney so, privilege. Right, so the Cohen thing was, was one thing. Um, and, and just to make it clear what I'm talking about with that, Michael Cohen is an attorney for Trump, and the big reason supposedly that his office was raided was to is that he, he was the criminal actor in paying off Stormy Daniels, which was in violation of campaign finance laws. Stormy Daniels supposedly is making accusations against Trump, and this was hush money. But Trump is a public figure with a brand and a wife and a lot of money. And just like Bill Cosby, he might have paid her off without it being a function of the campaign. So this is no, like, giant crime. This guy's a huge criminal. He's going to destroy all the evidence, all this kind of stuff. I don't even see their argument for why they could raid his office and take a bunch of stuff out of it on on not just this topic, apparently. They took stuff on Sean Hannity, right, supposedly? So... Uh, there's that, but there were also other other items that I find disturbing in, you know, that they're attacking the patient-doctor privilege, uh, the right to a public defender, the right to trial by jury, the spousal privilege. The spousal privilege is one I've expected to go away for a long time because it would undermine the bounds, the binds, the bonds of marriage. It would undermine the bonds of marriage and destabilize that institution. And maybe society. So when I saw Omar Mateen's wife uh, go on trial for possibly being aware of what he was up to, she won that, by the way, uh, because the father had been an FBI informant for 12 years. And she said those people were deceiving her on behalf of the government. So and she got off. So you got to wonder about some of these stories. Anyway, so um so I, my argument, and, and Binkley and I have made this argument before, when Michael Chertoff, who was, the, I think, the second Homeland Security director, came out and said that uh, what we need is a whole new legal architecture in this country, which just makes me quake in my boots. Like, I can't deal with that. So um, When I see these things happening, every single solitary one of the Bill of Rights being attacked head on with all these stories that, you know, not only never let a good crisis go to waste, but I think crises are generated on purpose in order to justify these encroachments. When I see that, it looks to me like the fulfillment of Chertoff's dream of a new legal architecture, tearing down the old one first, of course, and putting a new one in. Um, I think based on a digital, uh, you know, digital scaffolding. But so at the same time, we have James Comey just pushing his book hard, obviously. But he's got some messages to tell. I mean, his book was promoted when he was in Congress. One of the, Finkley and I talked about this on a podcast, one of the congressmen said, I just want to say, Mr. Comey, that your statement, uh, your pre-statement to the committee here was written in just... Oh, elegant prose. I've never read anything as fantastic as this. And Binkley said, yeah, and Binkley said, uh, hey, I bet he's writing a book. And here's the book. And then Comey in one of the interviews this week said, it's, I never expected to write a book. It just would have been <laughs> irresponsible of me. We're like, liar. So they're promoting it. I'm just saying they're promoting him. They're promoting the book. They're feeding into his narrative. And he has a message that benefits them, which is. 
this legal architecture is rock solid. Nobody's encroaching on it. Trump's trying to break it down, but I don't think he's strong enough. Now, of course, when it does fall down, they'll blame Trump, you know, so that I think is is a setup in itself. But I want to kind of clip by clip uh, peel back the layers of the onion to show you what Comey is up to and then show you why he cannot be trusted. So let me just take a couple of calls real quick. Um, Unless, Binkley, do you have a quick tweet for me? Yes, I do. I have one from Brian who tweets that, Hey, James, everything you say in your crappy book tour can and will be used against you in a court of law. Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) That That would mean there is still the rule of law, which people don't realize means... That everyone is held to the same standards. Now, we know they're not, so <laughs> I don't think he's ever going to face a court of law. Um, I know this is off topic, but I'm going to go to Bryant in East Atlanta. Hi, Bryant. You're hey, on with me. How are you, Monica? Yeah. I know it's a little off topic, but I wanted to kind of get your opinion about North Korea. When this all came out, and I've, I've been to Korea several times and been to the DMZ, when this all came out, it just seems kind of fishy to me, especially given the trade wars with China. And I'm wondering if China is setting Trump up for failure, knowing full well that Kim Jong-un is going to go off the rails. What do you think about that? Well, I'll tell you. The whole (laughs) – what goes on on the Korean Peninsula, I think, from the beginning was meant to give us a presence there. You know, really, as the U.S., should never have been in Vietnam, should never have been in Korea. There's a book called uh, Peace by the Wonderful People Who Brought You Korea and Vietnam. It was written by an Army colonel in the 50s, I think, and or 60s. And the idea was that after World War II, we just started shipping our materiel directly to Vietnam and Korea. Like, so those wars were in the offing. They were there to increase our presence in, in Asia. I really don't know. Um you know, how complete the kind of world takeover is. You know, Mao uh, went to some Yale exchange program. You know, the Rockefellers sent the technology to China over the past decades. Nixon opened China, made it an economic powerhouse. I, I, don't, I just don't know if they're really, if, we're, if any of this is as adversarial as we are led to believe. I really don't know. I mean, I, I feel like the element of a race keeps us spending a lot of defense dollars or keeps us um, uh, manufacturing at a, at a hyper high level or or keeps us um, able to use the excuse or the, our government to use the excuse to us that if, if we don't have a strong presence in the Middle East, China and Russia will fill the void, you know, but I think there's reason to believe that we're we are at some level already uh calling the shots there or they're all like the five families you know when it really comes becomes important they have a meeting and they figure out where it's all going to come out you know i mean it's it's uh what many people and i i heard it first from james corbett call it the three-dimensional chess board you know so i can't i don't take this stuff at face value i don't look at the headlines of the two korean leaders shaking hands and say oh wow this is historic you know I just feel like it's a play, and I, I don't know what the script says. I haven't read the scripts, but uh, I feel like it all moves towards the world corporation, you know, until we really wake up to it. But uh, let's get to some more tweets, and 
More of your calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's a man house! A man house! On News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. 74 the high today, 47 the low overnight. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemates Heating and Air. And I am going to Morgan in Fayetteville. You are on with Monica. Hi, Monica. Yeah, I was. Uh, I love your show. I was listening earlier. You're talking about the protections, and I agree. And, and I just wanted to point out the stark contrast that the FBI uh, gave Cheryl Mills and Hillary Clinton's attorneys. Uh, they granted them immunity, uh, and then they let them destroy laptops. And then, and, and then the same FBI, they go and raid a sitting president's attorney when she was just a candidate. It, to me, it's I'll let you go, but what a stark contrast. And in the media, just to let it go, even when they know what's up, is, is alarming. Thank you, ma'am. That is a good point. And, uh, I, you know, I personally tend to shy away from stuff that plays into the dialectic, the left-right thing. Um, this is, you know, there's this double standard. I personally... See, this stuff, I I don't even really, I know this is like shocking and people cannot really understand why I think this. I mean, some people do understand, but, but a lot of people don't. I really, I really feel like the two party system is, has degenerated to the point of pure theater at this point. I think, so when I see that, that Trump appointees all allowed this Cohen raid to happen, the left is saying, because it was undeniable, it was undeniable. And I'm saying, you know what? I think this is part of the, the theatrical event. I don't know where it's headed, but, uh, you know, and I don't know who's paying the piper, but I feel like, uh, yes, it, the bottom line for me is that that raid on that office was absolutely outrageous, absolutely outrageous, that you you cannot undermine our ability to access counsel. It makes it impossible for us to defend ourselves against an overreaching government. It just does. Uh, double standard, no double standard. The fact that this happened in this way at this time, to me, uh, is extremely alarming. Binkley, we have like uh, 30 seconds left. So I guess we should wait. You've got um, some fun. We really have some funny stuff about Comey. Let's just get into that. Uh, I, I like to strike a... A lighter, more fun-loving tone every once in a while. And Comey gives us just uh, some educational, but also very, very entertaining material. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. I never expected to write a book, but I thought, and I, and, and I think it even today, that were I not to, it would be cowardly in a way. <laughs> oh my gosh, that guy drives me crazy! He's so brave. <laughs> I know, he really searches his soul to do the right thing. For the American people. Yep, that was James Comey. This is Monica Perez. Binkley, my producer, is chiming in. Uh, we have we there were a couple of tweets I wanted to read. There was one 
um, like that I got yesterday about, let me see, maybe I can find it. Um, it is from Todd who says, yeah, Comey is such a weasel. It is unbearable to watch or listen to him, which <laughs> yeah. is like the perfect word. He just made, and people are like, no, he's one of the good guys. I understand what you're saying. If you listen to this entire show, you will no longer think that you will think he's a sociopath. <laughs> so a weasel. A weasel. That's what he is. He actually is a weasel. I shouldn't say sociopath. Weasel is probably the correct psychological evaluation. I'm not in the habit of psychoanalyzing people. It's none of my business what goes on inside their heads. But he, Comey, is in the habit of psychoanalyzing people. Mm. So he's going to get it. He's going to get it now. Um, so let's – but there, give me a different tweet. I know we got – We have a tweet from Dean who says the book is Comey's payday. Yes, payoff or payola, whatever, something like that. Payoff, it's yeah. it's the I've thought that for a long time that that's how things work. I remember the first time I I noticed that Obama had tremendous personal wealth, like in the millions, you know, like maybe double digit millions, and I and I thought. He had never been in private enterprise or anything. And, of course, you look at the Clintons. I don't even want to go there. But uh, And I, I said to my husband, it's like, why would Obama be worth $10 million? It's like, oh, he wrote a book. Like, he wrote a book? I think it's hard to make $10 million writing a book. You know, of course, he's got the best advertising in the world. I'm not going to say that it's it's not possible. But I did wonder if perhaps there was a... You know, nine mile high mountain of books in the middle of the ocean deposited there by Warren Buffett <laughs> and George Soros. I don't know. And then I noticed that Stacey Abrams has a whole the uh, gubernatorial candidate for the Democrats um, or whatever. Nomin- she's going for the nomination for the governorship of Georgia. Uh, that election's coming up. We're going to do actually a whole show on that on the candidates that election specifically Stacey Abrams who I think is going places so we're going to do that next week on the show Saturday afternoon from three to five uh but she she has this whole suite of books under a false name and I wouldn't be surprised if that's how she's going to get her you know she's pretty deep state and they're like romance novels which is kind of the Comey feel Ugh. Comey makes my skin crawl in that regard. Yes, I know. I bought one of Stacey Abrams' books, and my daughter's like, Mom, you know, because the cover is all romancy. Yeah. Like, I, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid my daughter's going to read it. So, anyway. Um, it's got subtle communist themes in it. Well, actually, it's about, It's called, like, Hidden Sins, and it's about, like, a bad preacher. Mm. So, it's got anti—well, I don't know. I didn't read it yet. It could, it could, there could be redemption in the end. I don't know. It doesn't look redemptive by the picture on the cover, but whatever. So uh, tell me this. Okay, so, oh, but he said he never intended to write a book. And you and I talked about it on a podcast. I think you're going to retweet at some point about how it looked like his entire congressional hearing was an, or elements of it were an ad for a book. Ha, ha, ha. That was what? Didn't you just pull the dates on the at the break of when when it sounded like he was promoting a book? Well, the testimony was on June 8th of last year, and then on June 9th of last year, there's article after article saying that Comey is set for a $10 million book deal, which he then signed a book deal on August 2nd. 
All right. So when he said, I never expected to write a book, like, what does that mean? From... It means for five minutes. And when he was never he fired? Expected... Like right before that, right? <laughs> he was fired in May. Okay. So all of this happened within like 30 days. Yeah. So when he said, I never, was he asleep during the period at which he never expected? Yeah. So, okay. So here's, I'm going to cut to the chase. I want, I want to get into, well, what do you think we should do? Should we do the punchline first? No, let's do some of the stuff from the CNN town hall. So Comey's on this book tour, basically, but it's uh, it's got a lot of messages in it that are meant for uh, to to shape the minds in this in this town hall. Anyway, it's of students at William and Mary, and he is going to teach an ethics class at <laughs> William and Mary, which is just amazing to me. And. And this and and when he comes onto the stage, like the crowd goes wild, like he's clearly got like the star thing going on, and he's he's trying a big theme of this, I think, is him trying to set a make people have a certain impression about what makes Trump tick so that people will have like their talking points on why Trump's a psycho, you know, instead of ever trying to understand what Trump's doing and why, you know, they can just dismiss him, the ad, the ultimate ad hominem attack. Uh, so, but there are a lot of subtle messages coming through. So let's start with, I'm going to get right to it. Let's start with clip one. This is the very beginning of Comey's CNN town hall with Anderson Cooper. Was it last week? Yeah, we well, can... it was earlier this week. Oh, earlier this week. Okay, so let's hear, Rachel, if you would, clip one. This is uh, Zachary Smith. He's getting his master's in chemistry. Zachary, what's your question? Hi, Director Comey. Uh, do you believe that President Trump possesses the moral and mental capacities needed to effectively lead our armed forces, given his uh, unprecedented uh, loyalty pledge, the general temperament, and the uh, documented outbursts? Well, thank you for that question. A really important question. Ten seconds just to thank the students of William & Mary for coming out and for looking so good tonight. Thank you. Thank you. You're trying to get them on your side right away. uh... (laughs) If they're not on my side, I'm I'm out of luck. Uh, That's a really important question. And I don't have concerns about President Trump's physical fitness, whether he has dementia. I've read stuff like that. I don't buy it. I've dealt with him. He seems to be a person of above-average intelligence. My concern is with his moral fitness. I don't believe he's morally fit to be president of the United States. And I don't, I never thought I'd say that about a president, and I don't say that lightly. And I say it because a person who sees moral equivalence across both sides in Charlottesville, who treats and speaks about women like pieces of meat, and who lies constantly about things big and small and insists that we believe the lies, that person's not fit to lead, no less to be the leader of the free world, the president of the United States. And so that's what I believe. All right, there's a lot there to unpack. First of all, uh, Anderson Cooper suggests that these people got up there and uh, it was like spontaneous questions. Every single one of them is reading these questions and like it's not even crystal clear they've ever read them before, much less wrote them or searched their souls. That's the purpose of a town hall is to put the person answering questions in a vulnerable place and get authentic responses. Yeah, but in reality, the purpose of the town hall is to make it look like Anderson Cooper isn't asking every single one of these questions yeah, with yeah. some purpose. And well, so, and then you know what the kid says is a bunch of talking points. Like, what kid would say that? Like, documented outbursts, documented outbursts. Like, okay, I, either the kid pulled it from a you know an article already ready, ready. You know, it's just. 
And that's the kind of thing. It's just like uh, Common Core or the reading comprehension thing I was telling you about. Like when my son was taking a standardized test and he and he said, oh, I'm learning, I'm learning so much from the reading comprehension passages. Or when Common Core takes the content out of something and and just says, you know, Obama was the greatest president, parse that sentence. You know, they give you the content in the question so that you don't question that content. Obviously, this guy knows there's documented outbursts. They're documented. I mean, does that mean something? somebody wrote it down on a piece of paper? Like, what does that mean, documented? I think it means Comey memos. Do you really think that's what yes. it means? Like the document is stuff that Comey wrote down yeah. in his car? I that's so. funny because – in this, in the interview, Comey refers to, like, his reference is his memos and his book. So he'll be like, you know, as in my book. Like, it's obviously it's true. It's in my book. <laughs> it's like, but all this stuff could have come out of your head, you know. And then he goes and says, this is the thing about Comey's response that, like, I thought was a little weird. Or I shouldn't say weird. It's It goes to what I called as the theme of 2018 and my first show of the year. This idea like you're either a Democrat or you're evil. You know, it's you either agree with me or you're evil. And that and and if you can't tell the difference between what I'm saying and evil, then you're just hopeless. So when he says there's a moral equivalence, you know, he's immoral because he thinks there's a moral equivalence for what happened in Charlottesville. Charlottesville, what happened in Charlottesville where there were um I can't remember what the protesters were there for to defend statues or something. I can't remember. And then they had a permit. So they were screened by the authorities, whatever. And then the Antifa came. They didn't have a permit. And the cops stood down. Like there was a lot of dialectical stuff going on there, like deliberately combative stuff going on in that story. There we really had to think about, you know, you had, the, the facts were important there. You can't just take your, your first impression and say, you knew, uh, you know, that story, in my opinion, was a bit of a setup. But the way Comey puts it, he is really drawing, you know, he's underlining what I am noticing all over the place, which is there's no argument, there's no discussion. You either uh, have the morally correct position or you're a psycho. So we're going to get into Comey basically painting Trump as a psycho <laughs> after the break. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about, you know. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. This is uh, Emma White. She's a senior studying psychology. In your book, you describe the qualities of an ethical leader. Do you think that effective leaders have to be ethical leaders? And how would you describe President Trump's style of leadership? I think effective leaders, to be effective in in anything near the long term, have to be ethical. And what I mean by ethical is make decisions with an eye towards lasting values, above the urgency of the quarterly earnings statement or individual feelings of political forces or the news, but look at the long term and care deeply about helping their people reach their potential and find meaning in the work. To me, that's the only way to be effective as a leader, to be an ethical leader. Uh, yeah, I want to also, if I, if I have a second, that was Comey at this town hall pontificating. Um, and then, you know, what it is to be ethical. And then he goes and, 
and starts slandering this guy. So I hope we have time. Can we real quick play um, clip six? The mark of a great leader, I believe, is a combination of things that seem contradictory. Enough confidence to be humble. That is what an effective leader has. They're comfortable in their own skin, and it allows them to shut up and learn the truth from those around them and to take joy in their people, to love seeing them shine. Insecure people can't do any of that. They can't listen. They can't take joy in the achievements of those around them. And a marker of that balance of confidence and humility is humor, that if you are insecure, you cannot laugh for two reasons. First, you look silly laughing, and so you expose yourself. And engaging in a humorous encounter with somebody else is a risk for an insecure leader because I might have to acknowledge you that you said something funny that I didn't say. And so I saw Presidents Bush and Obama both use humor effectively to relax, to put at ease, to try and get to the truth. I never saw President Trump laugh, even in an almost hour and a half long private dinner. So this guy is a psychiatrist. He knows all about leadership. He knows all about ethics. Uh, I'm going to prove to you in the next segment that this guy is totally full of it, and he's there to lie to you. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. This will not stand, you know? This aggression will not stand, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6, and we're talking about uh, a few things and that kind of come together. One is that I feel like our not only are our rights and liberties under attack, but our protections, our defenses are under attack. And and many of us never uh, have to experience that. So it's not um, front of mind the way the Second Amendment is. The Sixth Amendment isn't really uh, the right to uh, an impartial jury trial. Like, that's not something that every day we wake up thinking, man, I, I don't want to lose that. So uh, it might not be top of mind for us that that's in the crosshairs. But I believe that those kind of protections, uh, especially due process and the Fifth Amendment, these things are being attacked at the highest levels that the legal architecture of this country, like the head of Homeland Security, Michael Chertoff, suggested is being reworked. And it's not for the better. Trust me, it is not in the service of individual liberty, but in the service, I think, of, uh, of, you know, they throw the word globalist around <laughs> like it's going out of style. But I do believe it's a kind of world corporate, um, uh, you know, power pyramid that, that this all serves, not us. So uh, at the same time, as I've been noticing this, James Comey, former FBI director, is on a book tour and he and he really drills down onto how um, unassailable, how much integrity, how much ethical uh, direction is in the intelligence agencies, the FBI, the military. That that of all things, it is really unbelievably irresponsible of Trump to undermine the institutions themselves and people's confidence in those institutions. 
Uh, telling the truth is really important. You know, he emphasizes that. And like Martha Stewart did not tell the truth, so we had to prosecute her. Meanwhile, he doesn't point out that they don't actually have to tell the truth to you. So if you're being interrogated, they can lie to you. You're not allowed to lie to them. So I would not say truth is at the foundation of that relationship. It's just, you know, it gets complicated. He's not there for the complicated thinking. He's there to put ideas in your head, right? And and the reason he can do that without getting into the complicated thinking is that he is being positioned, has always been positioned, all for a long time since he, he worked for John Ashcroft and fell on his sword for, you know, wireless wiretaps or whatever against them, made a big stink about that. That's where he established his reputation as incredibly... Uh, has incredible integrity, so you don't even care what party he's in. And that's the role he plays. But uh, that that isn't who he is. And I'm I'm digging back into his past to a story that happened a really long time ago. But it's a story that he continues to misrepresent, and that's why I'm holding him accountable to this day. Uh, so before I get into that, I just want to talk to my producer, Binkley, who's got some tweets lined up who, uh, and help me put together what I think is the smoking gun evidence against this guy. Binkley, how are you doing? I'm great. That's awesome to hear. Can I hear a tweet and then get on with the story? Yes, you may. We Thank have a tweet you. from Tim who tweets, what are the odds that Comey and others um, are facing charges? I, I I don't think any. I, I don't think that happens. I think that's a breakdown of rule of law. People talk about rule of law. Comey throws that word out. And what I believe rule of law actually means is that you have rule of law, not rule of rulers. But we don't have that anymore because these guys who rule us are above that law. And somebody called earlier Cheryl Mills and Hillary were above that law. So is James Comey is above that law. You know, I don't think people when Trump got in, Soros is going to jail. Don't think so. (laughs) I don't think that's happening. So um, now the reason Martha Stewart went to jail, I think, is because she mouthed off to those guys. She was disrespectful to them. And then you go to jail. (laughs) That's for sure. I can't imagine you're attacking Comey's ego anyway and not going to jail. So if he had the power to do that to you. So this is what happened when he and Binkley, I know, you know, the story as well. Um, and it's actually quite hard. You you really came through this morning finding that podcast uh, or interview. But if I'm getting anything wrong, please interject. But this is how I think the story goes. Uh, when Comey was 17 in high school, he and his brother um, experienced a break in in his house. I'm going to try to make the story as sh- short as I can. Uh, after the break in. He uh, they gave a sketch to the cops like they helped a a sketch artist and it looked just like the Ramsey rapist, someone who'd raped a bunch of people. That's what it looks like. It was the same guy. They had somebody under suspicion. They brought the guy in uh, after this event and they took a photograph of the guy and they went to all 10 witnesses, victims and showed the photograph of this guy to all those people. And all of them said, that's not the guy except for James Comey, said, this is the guy. And uh, also with the lineup, nobody could pick him out of a lineup because it wasn't the guy. And turns out the guy had a rock-solid alibi. So so this guy, it was such a, an infraction, such a, such, it was such an egregious attack on justice that this guy 
was basically railroaded that he he won a settlement of five million dollars uh, from the from the people who I can't hear you, Binkley, um, from the people who uh, got him in trouble. So I could not. I used to have I, I, at one time I had some backstory on this, like stories from the time uh, that this happened, and and now the the one place I had a, a, a link to is now that link is dead, so I can't find the original accounting of what what James Comey did. But Binkley, it was just amazing that you found this this morning. Audio of an interview, a recent interview with the wife, maybe the widow of this guy. His name is, I think, Bruce Ader, and uh, and. She's talking to a guy, A.G. Weberman, uh, and I guess he's a writer. Uh, so listen to what she had to say. The, 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 I believe I tweeted this earlier today. It's like a 10-minute interview. It's totally worth listening to at Monica Perez Show. But I'm just going to just – I couldn't get it all in. I don't want to play it all. So I'm just going to play one clip from it. It's uh, uh, clip 22, Rachel, please. Those officials up there get elected. Right. And it was coming up to be election day. Right, so they wanted to... They wanted their name to go, we got them. So they're going to railroad somebody. Mm-hmm. He, and the alibi is, he had an airtight alibi. He was with you in some uh, bus station or something. Yeah. In a public yep. place, you know. Yep. It wasn't like, oh, I was home, you nope. know, with my wife, and, you know, you were the only witness that, nope. you know, it was a public place where there were impartial witnesses. Right. Not family members. No, nope, they weren't. They were all people that... I, I was a bus driver. I drove a van for retarded children. Okay. And he used to come up there and wash my van for me so I wouldn't have to do it and wait for me. And then he would just hang around and they would, you know, men, they BS. <laughs> right, And that's right. where he was. So I have to say, it took me back when she said the R word. I have a son with Down syndrome, and the R word is uh, is frowned upon. <laughs> but uh, but in an effort to preserve, uh, you know, uh, uh, verite of time, I don't know. That that's what her story was. So that's the that's the wife of the guy who was falsely accused, and Comey was the only witness who maintained. That he was the guy. And it was the he he maintained it based on a picture he was shown just of the guy. In a lineup, he couldn't pick anybody out. Um one of the girls, the fifteen year old who was raped, didn't even go to the lineup, but everybody else who went to the lineup was not couldn't pick any nobody could pick anybody out of the lineup. And um and nobody nobody accused this guy when they saw the picture except for Comey. Okay. So long time ago, let's forgive him, right? I'm sure he's sorry. I'm sure he's sorry. And after this guy won $5 million bucks, I'm sure he feels like a dope, right? What kind of law enforcement officer wouldn't feel like a dope, you know, in retrospect at making that kind of a mistake? You'd think you'd say, you know, the importance of not bearing false witness because that's his whole thing is truth, right? Right. So let's see what he had to say about this on the Anderson Cooper show uh, this week. It's uh, Rachel, please. Let's hear clip 21. Did they ever catch this person? No. A guy was arrested. The attacks, which had happened for almost a year on a regular basis, stopped that night. And they arrested someone and never made the case against him. Uh, but it stopped that night. And, and there was a girl in my high school who had been tied to a tree and sexually assaulted. And we never spoke. I would pass her in the hallway. I'd seen her at the lineup. And we just sort of nodded at each other and communicated with our eyes for the rest of my high, that last year of my high school. 
but others were spared that pain, maybe because that was the guy and he quit, or maybe because whoever was the serial attacker decided that that was the time to stop it. I don't know, but it ended that night. Uh, is anybody else just outraged by that? I, I don't pedal outrage. I am. That's, yeah, it's, just, it's just sick. First of all, do you really get to see rape victims uh, with the lineup? Like he went to, co- to high school and, and they, they, the cops are just like, hey, this is the girl that got raped, 17-year-old boy. You know, don't tell anybody when you pass her in the hallway. I find that hard to believe. But that's not what outrages me. What outrages me is that he said he's he's still implying that he was a hero. I came I knew, forward. Yeah. I ind- identified this guy. The rape stopped. You know, he got off. But he's a rock-solid alibi. And this is the moral authority of America right now, according right. to the news. Right. This is a guy. Oh, let's play it. Oh, my gosh. Do we have the – did I have you uh... – Yeah, can we hear clip five? One other thing I'll say. To bring truth to the center of your enterprise, whether it's a nonprofit or a company or the government, to have truth at the center of it, the truth about yourself and about the the troubles that you're dealing with, it's the only way to be effective in in the long run. I don't believe that about President Trump. And the reason I say that is ethical leaders have external reference points. When they're making hard decisions, they draw on philosophy or religious tradition or logic or history they draw on a set of norms and values that help them lift their eyes and figure out what the right decision is as best i can tell president trump doesn't have any external reference points and it's a hard thing to say but i believe it his only reference point is internal what will bring me what i need what will fill this hole in me get me the affirmation i crave and that's deeply concerning because the only way you make hard decisions is by looking to the external reference points. You can't ignore the internal, of course, but your first move and your primary move is always to those external points of reference to help you make a good decision. So that's why I say that. So I, I believe, am I not? Am I mistaken, Binkley? Isn't he distra- describing a sociopath? Like I think so. No, someone without a conscience? Yeah. Which I have to say, given that he is lying to this day, about a guy that he single-handedly railroaded, you know? Well, there was a tracker involved who tra- supposedly tracked the guy's footprints, but he didn't identify his face from a picture. That was Comey, and Comey alone. And um, and I would totally forgive him for it, but he's doubling down on it now after the guy won $5 bucks, and um, and he's saying that truth has to be the center of your life, that you have to be honest, truthful about yourself. I mean, you you got to wonder. what it's, just, it's truly outrageous. I'm going to get to some calls after this, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let me know if, this, uh, if you feel like this is quite damning on this guy or if you, think, uh, if you think there's some other explanation. You can also tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. 75 degrees outside the studio. Skies are still sunny. This is Monica Perez. I'm going to go to Janice in Atlanta. You are on with Monica. Hi, Monica. Um, first of all, I totally agree with you about I'm really tired of hearing James Comey um, on any airway, you know, the TV, radio, whatever. I do think he's a liar. But I'm wondering, you know, what are his accomplishments as the FBI director? Has anybody ever brought that out? Does he have any? And maybe this book deal is going to try to overshadow his non-accomplishments as the director. I mean, I've never, I don't know. 
Well, I, he has some weird backstory. I mean, one of the one of the uh, cases he worked on was Vince Foster. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> you know, I don't know uh, everything I have ever dug into on Vince Foster says that there was some hanky panky with the investigation. I don't. You don't have to say that. Yeah. He was murdered by the Clintons, but they that, there was something weird about the investigation, and he was on the investigation. Um, he also was instrumental in really trying to railroad a guy, a doctor, for, remember the anthrax scare that happened right after 9-11? Yes. Do you remember that? And then Bush was like, oh, it's definitely Iraqi because it has that signature. Well, mm-hmm. it actually had a U.S. signature. It did not have an Iraqi signature, but that just, you know, people forgot oh. about that. Yeah. But Comey, after that became clear, they they tried to railroad some guy, you know, and I mm-hmm. and the guy got away with it, got off, you know, and it was Mueller. It was Comey and Mueller. Oh. And uh, and then I started to wonder, well, why would they do that? You know, they they eventually pinned it on somebody. But. Why would they, you know, you look at these cases that could be inside jobs, you know, and he pops up. <laughs> well, I truly believe that everything that this, you know, like he and the, uh, James Strzok and his girlfriend, um, there's just something there that they're ma- it's a major cover up. And what have they done and why are they still employed by the government? If- well, that that's a whole there. I can never get into the details of these stories. I feel like you don't know what they're really all about until you see the impact they have. And I assume that was the purpose of the agenda in the first place. But we're going to get more into what the agenda is here right after the break. You can call 800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Please take my hand. Now open your mind to me. Please. Open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. Next week, I'm going to be on from 3 to 5. And we are going to focus on the Georgia governor's race uh, with some observations about Stacey Abrams. We'll talk about the debate. And I'm also going to have a special guest whose focus is election integrity in Georgia, Garland Favorito. So you're going to want to tune into that. Uh, We are also in the third hour of our talk about um, a discussion about James Comey. What role he is playing in this, what I consider to be a massive operation from the highest levels that's been going on for decades to to literally to use the words of Michael Chertoff, who was the Homeland Security Secretary, to change the legal architecture of this country. That's what he said he wants to do. That is what they are up to. And I don't think there are two sides I don't think the Democrat, somebody on one side is fighting against this and the other side is fighting for it. They're both working towards it. And the way they treat events or even perhaps manufacture events is justifying policies they act like are reactions to these events. But in reality, they're all marching us towards this new legal architecture and uh, the rights enshrined in the Bill of Rights, people are like, oh, you fixate on the Bill of Rights. 
I don't fixate on the Bill of Rights. I want them. You know, I'm just trying to defend them. I don't think they're, uh, you know, um, that a piece of paper with black squiggles on them is going to change, you know, is is going to protect me. But those protections are the legal architecture. They are the undergirding of our our ability as individuals not to be completely overwhelmed by the uh, powerful and rich organized elite, for lack of a better term, who want to use laws and that kind of power to exploit us. If you want to be extreme about it, you could say to enslave us. And uh, the only thing I've thought of that we can do is be hyper vigilant about getting our about defending our rights. And that's very clear to people when it comes to the second amendment, not sure it's going to work. You know, they, they keep trying through ideas. They keep trying to erode our mentality on that and through events. But the other stuff like the protections trial by jury and the right to a public defender and attorney client privilege, these protections are kind of second tier that not everybody experiences every day. It's not top of mind. They're working on those, too. And when they're gone and they come after you for for speech you don't like, they don't like, and they go after you for something they say you did 10 years ago that has nothing to do with free speech, and you can't protect yourself, then you're going to realize how important, how genius these protections are. And as I see, like the FBI raid Michael Cohen's office, and I think... That's an attack on the legal architecture. Those people are acting politically. And then I hear James Comey uh, on this book tour where he does everything he can to establish himself. So the first hour or two we've been talking about, I played lots of clips about James Comey talking about ethical leadership, stability, truth. And and then then he starts getting into... Uh, in these in these interviews that he's been doing, how rock solid the FBI is, how apolitical it really is, how every single person who shows up with the exception, you know, few exceptions, just searches their souls every day to figure out the right and wrong of things and will fall on their swords for it. That's literally the line he's peddling here. And uh, and we also just proved if you if you want to re-listen to it, you got to go to propagandareportdaily.com later in the week. We'll we'll post it. That he, to this day, is lying, slandering a person that he falsely accused of a crime like 30 years ago. The guy actually got a settlement of $5 million because the the um, travesty against justice was so uh, uh, severe. And, and Comey is still suggesting this guy is guilty when there is no way the guy is guilty. I mean, that's the truth this guy clings to. So I want to... I want to play some of these clips of of him telling you. So now in the context of understanding what this guy is really all about, you can then hear these clips and see what he's what he's what he's really there for, what his what his agenda is right now. And and it's above partisanship. I get first I want to get to some tweets. Uh Binkley, what's your um Binkley, my producer is here. He, I think we're on the same page. We're not always on the same page, truly, but uh, I'm usually further down the rabbit hole, though occasionally you're further down the rabbit hole. But um, 
I know with Comey we're on the same page, and uh, you've pulled a lot of these clips, and I'm, I'm hoping you can give me a tweet, and then we'll move on to the clips. I have a tweet from Tim who says, what would happen if the uh, prosecution was recommended for Comey? Just speculate. I, I, I can't – I don't want to speculate. That, that to me is the distraction. That's the problem here. It's not about that. Who cares if they if they hung him from a flagpole? I wouldn't it would not it wouldn't take away from the truth of of what he's doing. You know, if he doesn't get away with it, someone else is going to do it. If he falls, there will be somebody else to take his place. Like, that's how I think about these lifetime actors. And I believe this guy's a lifetime actor. So there was a Detroit mayor who was really meant for big things, Kwame Kirkpatrick or something like that. And it didn't didn't work out. Something went wrong. Somebody bamboozled him. I don't know. But then he fell from grace and, and had legal trouble, all this kind of stuff. Maybe even went to jail. It doesn't mean he wasn't uh, a lifetime actor. And it doesn't mean that whatever his agenda was for Detroit or the larger stage isn't really going to happen. So like Stacey Abrams, we're going to talk about next week. All the kind of high-level affiliations she has, Sheriff Israel and the Parkland thing, these people have associations from a very high level. So there's a lot of people like that, you know, being in different positions all around the country and the world. And not all of them are going to make it to the finish line. Some of them are so successful, like Edward Snowden, that they roll out, you know, more stuff for them to do. They're so good at it, they can just trot them out whenever they want and 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 get more out of it. But that's not what I what I think matters here. It's not it's not really about Comey. I'm discrediting him so that you understand that he's just acting. That this stuff is all baloney. And then you got to say why? And why are the media letting him get away with it? Why are we the only I'm absolutely certain you did not hear that um the wife of the guy he railroaded being interviewed anywhere else like it was hard to find that and but why why is it hard somebody's pushing it down and why isn't anybody else finding it they don't have staffs anderson cooper doesn't have a staff as big as binkley you know what i mean like it just doesn't make sense so it's bigger than that i want to play one clip and then uh i'm happy to take some calls 404-872-0750 wsb talk of course tweets are always a uh, specialty at monica perez show let us uh, let me just think for a second. Um, well, let's do clip seven first. In my experience, and, and so it's both the five months I worked under President Trump and since, they view the institutions of justice with contempt as just another piece on the board. When that piece is doing something that the leadership doesn't like, it should be knocked over and dirtied up. And that is a terrible place for us to be as a country. The FBI is not politicized. That's nonsense. The FBI, though, is being politically attacked. And the reason that is so dangerous and so stupid, even if you're a Republican, we need those institutions. All of us need those institutions. And there's a reason that Lady Justice wears a blindfold. So she's not peeking out to see what President this or President that thinks about her decisions. Without that, without that blindfold... One of the major pillars of this democracy is lost, and that is should be deeply worrying to all of us, including Republicans in Congress who know better. 
now he's starting to talk about talk like uh some of your indivisible guys were like even republicans even those uh advocates of mass shootings republicans should know better than to want to to sully the fbi just ignore the history of lies yeah and i'm not i'm not attacking fbi agents and cops i mean millions of people work for the government you know they're cops in my family teachers in my family I'm not – I don't think these guys show up to work every day. Let's subvert the Constitution. (laughs) You know, that is not what I think. I think 99% of the stuff is straight-up crime-solving, you know, and then on an individual basis they work hard or not hard depending on their own personal character just like everybody else in every other walk of life. But things that are this powerful and above the law get exploited. And having this guy do a book tour to tell me to trust them – doesn't help at all because we know the rule of law does not really apply at the very highest levels. That's why some people are prosecuted and some people aren't. So uh, it's, I personally think the whole point of this guy is to be like, even somebody who's wrong, you know, even though he's a bad guy and you don't like him and he leaks stuff and he's wrong, at least He's telling us stuff. You know, he's an idiot. He leaks stuff. At least he's telling us stuff. You know, his memos, at least they're true. The stuff they get from Michael Cohen's office, they're probably going to dribble that out, even if it's in there or not. And then they'll be like, well, you know, it's true because they didn't mean to tell you. It's like, well, (laughs) that's part of the game, isn't it? So let's get um, let's bring it home with some of the uh, the uh, bigger agenda from Comey's book tour after the break. 800 WSB talk at Monica Perez show. Monica Perez. Well, no one's going to top that. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. High today of 74. Tomorrow's high 70. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And I also have a weekend prize pack for you. A pair of tickets to see blues rock guitarist Joe Bonamassa, who I have a tweet, one of my first tweets, JQ, has been telling me how great this Joe Bonamassa is for years. I have yet to see him in person, but he does appear to be a virtuoso. So these are two tickets uh, to see him when he returns to Atlanta for two shows, May 4th and 5th at the Fox Theater. So the first to call, 404-741-0750, will get that. Those tickets, that's going to be a great night. Um, and we... I. Binkley read a tweet to me before the break. What would happen if uh, Comey got prosecuted for whatever, lying or leaking, whatever it is that's the thing people are mad about? I'm annoyed with him for trying to uh, restructure the way this country works and uh, undermine our protections by defending the institutions who are undermining them but that's just me so um binkley but you had a different response in 30 seconds what do you think would happen if he were prosecuted he'd be turned into a martyr and the story would be that a horrible injustice was done and the propaganda message that he's spreading right now would be that much more impactful and he'd probably get off in the end and then you would have this exoneration and party and then he could legitimately claim to have made 20 million dollars on a book you know and then he'd be off to the races forever i guess is how it would really work so that i thought that was a good insight
Um, and then there's uh, some other. We I want to get into a little bit of of the meat of the protections I was talking about. I think it's a little hard to just throw out there and and for people to get it right off the bat. So let's go over that a little bit after the break. 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Wow, that was intense. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6. Next week we're on 3 to 5, uh, talking about the Georgia governor's race. But today we are talking about what I think is the bigger picture about... uh, I think there's a systematic effort from the top that is designed to erode our rights and... Uh, I think it's, you know, you could call it the deep state. I don't know. But then I don't know what to believe because Comey told me this week that there is no deep state. Let me hear clip eight. It's not just the FBI, though, as an institution which is under attack. You have confidence in the strength of of the institutions. I've I've had... um, uh, former uh, well, General Michael Hayden on my program a lot, and he's talked about the, the thin veneer of civilization and how thin that veneer actually is. We like to think it's very deep and, and solid and everlasting. Uh, he uses the example of Sarajevo, a multicultural uh, city, which uh, was, was you know, uh, for a laid siege to for, for years. Um, what gives you the belief that the institutions are strong enough? Because I know them. And because I know no president serves long enough to destroy the culture that is at the root of them. I hear this term, deep state, all the time. And there's no deep state. But there is a deep culture and a commitment to the rule of law, equal protection of the laws, the fundamental values that are at the core of our Constitution that runs really deep in the FBI, the Justice Department as a whole, the intelligence community, the United States military services. It is the ballast that gives me comfort. And I hope should give all Americans comfort. Yeah, that's not <laughs> the deep state, the deep culture. You can call it whatever you want, but it is not marked. It is not characterized by this deep, selfless commitment to the rule of law. You know, I mean, this is just this is nonsense. But <laughs> but that's not what he thinks is nonsense. Let's hear clip nine. You said there's no deep state, but you talk about a deep culture. It doesn't sound that much different. I mean, a deep culture, which, you know, has ways of doing things and believes it is the right way of doing things, isn't that some of what President Trump was elected to shake up? Absolutely not. I'm talking about a culture of commitment to the rule of law and to the values enshrined in our Constitution. That's the value at the heart of the United States military and the intelligence community and the law enforcement community. No one, I hope, voted for him with the idea that he would destroy those values. And so that's what I mean by a deep culture. It's a culture that we should celebrate. And the rest of us who are not part of it ought to make sure we call it out when we see it threatened and damaged. So when some say the deep state is trying to destroy President Trump, you're saying point blank, that's not true. That's nonsense. So I just want to point out that he said that the the guiding principle of the intelligence community is fidelity to the Constitution, (laughs) which... I think any normal journalist might say, well, you know, whatever. However, the only job outside of journalism that Anderson Cooper ever had was his two summers with the CIA. So I'm not thinking he's the guy to, 
speak truth to power, as he called upon Comey to do. And he's a Vanderbilt. Oh, yeah, that's right. So if there is the oligarchy, you know, then he's part of that, too. But that's the thing with this stuff. It's he's what he's saying is ridiculously naive. I mean, no matter how you slice it, even if you don't think that there's like 10 guys at the very top who have been pulling the strings or or their ancestors are pulling the strings for 100 years or 1,000 years or whatever, even if you don't think that, this idea that these that these institutions themselves aren't politically maneuvering um, places where people try to get the most out of their power and privilege, I mean, that's how you get the, to the top, I think. What he describes are people that would defy human psyche. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's just it's not possible because they actually, yes, do psychological studies on the impact of power on, uh, you know, the the exercise of power. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to I'm starting to get calls um, probably on this, but I just I wanted to before I, I get to those calls. You were saying something or we were talking about the Bill of Rights and you made an excellent point. Uh, what what is your take on that? I was saying that we need to defend, be hypervigilant about the Bill of Rights. I'm not worshiping it. I'm just saying that's like the bare minimum of what we need. So when they talk about taking it away, we've got to, uh, even if it's Nicholas Cruz and they're saying he shouldn't get a public defender or the right to an impartial jury trial, that's nuts. You can't cannot entertain those thoughts um, because... Once those protections are gone, the abuse of power, even if it doesn't happen now, just like I said, psychologically speaking, the people in power cannot help but use it, no matter who gets into power once they're there. So, and But you took it a little deeper than that. Well, I think it's about being hypervigilant about understanding the true meaning of the rights so that we can recognize when there are covert attempts to destroy them or take them away because the attack on them, it – it comes from within, and it comes through reinterpretation as opposed to just an overt destructive attack. Right. So what you – so I was absolutely raised on this. Like I was ra- – my father would talk to us about the rights, the Bill of Rights, human basic rights. He was like your very classic kind of traditional conservative in the American sense of the word, which is individual liberty – Personal responsibility, subsidiarity, which means the smallest position of authority should have the authority if it can. That's states' rights, stuff like that. So I was absolutely weaned on it. And he would say, you need to understand your principles so anytime you face a decision, you're able to apply those principles. Otherwise, you have to flop around for hours trying to like, well, then what would happen? But then what would happen? But then what would happen? And there's no reason to think you're going to end up in the right, you know, the right chair, like the right when the music stops. You might not come to the right answer, but if you really understand principles and how to apply them, you won't get bamboozled. But but I think some of the stuff you've shown us um, in the past uh, from Indivisible, George Lakoff, like the modern day, Edward Bernays, these people, uh, their kind of goal. And when we talked about Starbucks last week where um, one of the kids said – one of the men who was arrested said, right, rules are rules, but right is right, you know, which – which makes it all feel very subjective, very 
nebulous, very hard to get your arms around. And how do you know then what's right? If the rules aren't right, how do you know what's right? Because of your principles? Well, these are your principles, but that's not what they're going for. They want you to take their marching orders, more or less, right? Yeah, exactly. And to destroy critical thinking, on top of not having the foundation of right and wrong, you don't have the the faculty of reason anymore because, you know, there's some of that in it too, isn't there? Yeah, and they create or they suggest policies with uh, wholesome-sounding names that speak to these outrages or, or problems that are at the forefront of people's minds but really take away your rights. The broad-ranging impact that you talked about. Yes, and uh, and – you know, this is the danger. I don't want to harp on like public schools and all that kind of stuff. It's not just that. It's it's the YouTube generation. It's it's having both parents work and having the kids. Like Stacey Abrams says, like three years old is too late for the state to get their hands on your kids. We're going to play some of those clips next week. Uh, it's all about people losing their grip on this. Um, very, it, it is what we have a a, a culture of you know multicultural history in this country uh like it or not but but what brings us together what allows that us to cohere over the over the centuries is the philosophy and we need to understand that and we do understand it and you know you wake up pretty quick if you come and there's no safety net and then you have to function economically you very quickly understand uh free markets i mean there used to be free markets here but you know you understand that you understand how to behave in a certain way that facilitates trade, you know, like it, it, it creates a culture. And they're trying to destroy that because property rights and other rights are, 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 are a very important part of that. And if they can tear that down, they can kind of tear everything down. So, um, but I did want to get to some calls. Let me, let me do real quick. I'm going to Steve in Lawrenceville. What you got? Hey, Monica. Hey. Hey. Uh, first of all, a little butt kissing is in order because and it's, it's not fake. You are the only awesome thing to listen to on a Saturday. The really? only really, really awesome, awesomely smart person to listen to on the radio. Are we getting the butt? Not just the butt kissing, but is there a butt? A <laughs> <laughs> little no, bit? Nope. That's it. Nope. Oh, bring nope. it on. Thanks, um, buddy. Are, Thanks. Are you, are you, are you uh, syndicated? No. No, I just do that. If I were syndicated, I would probably disappear. <laughs> I feel like I'm walking this edge, this line where I say whatever I want because not quite enough people hear me to know, like, hey, that chick in Atlanta is a problem. <laughs> you know, you just TV, Fox News. You could do a Mark Levin. I'm no way. No, no, no. They don't want that. Nobody wants that because I have a question for you. I attack them. Go. Um, I think that Sessions is deep state. You know, do you do you wonder? Uh, this is my my thing of of sessions is that he when you listen to his whole like I listened to four hours of his testimony. He it, he explained why he recused himself. I mean, the guy. I don't. I'm a libertarian, so I don't actually believe with his basically neoconservative viewpoint. I really don't. But that guy has got me real. It's so. I mean, he if he's an actor. He's a much better actor than James Comey, for Play, example. McCain, Graham. McCain and Graham are, are just, those guys are owned and paid for by the military-industrial complex. They will say anything that starts a war. Those guys, Sessions somehow strikes me 
different. But you look, he he abandoned his post there in Alabama and he won by 97 percent. And now there's a Democrat in his place. You know, Mm -hmm. I I mean, the impact is undeniable. And and I just he seems so sincere. But what makes you think he's deep state? Well, he cited something that uh, somebody is who, who isn't a lawyer. I mean, he's supposed to be a lawyer, right? I mean, yeah, he's, he's a lawyer. To be a prosecutor, a lawyer. Um, you'd think that he would be a, as a constitutionalist, or supposedly yeah. somebody who really cares about the Constitution. You'd think that he would know that the way that he recused himself isn't even uh, part of the code. I mean, so no, he cited it. He cited it uh, like letter and number of the law that it was. Yeah, it, didn't, uh, it, didn't, it didn't apply to, to his particular circumstance. That's what made me think. Wow. He said he was under. He was involved in the campaign, and the campaign was the subject of investigation. Yeah, but, uh, okay, so on Fox News, um, uh, uh, Hannity broke it down, um, and he actually cited the code again, and he said, wow. Uh, and, then, and then a constitutional expert came on who was a lawyer, a, a constitutional lawyer, and said, this, this actually doesn't even apply. And well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'd have to analyze that myself. But I would imagine that erring on the side of propriety or the appearance of propriety would be consistent with my impression of Sessions' character. But, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. He certainly doesn't seem like a fool. And it does feel to me like the uh, the outcomes will not be good for this country on some of the some of the results of his decisions. So... That's a tough one. Uh, I want, right after the break, Patrick and Cummings says he has a must-read recommendation for me. I love stuff like that. Uh, and uh, that's probably going to be my last call, folks, but I'll, I'll take tweets all night. At Monica Perez Show. Sunshine with a forecast high of 75 Monday as the work week begins, but that could change. So stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And Patrick, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to make your recommendation. You are on the air. Patrick. Oh, talking to Patrick. Oh, okay. I didn't hear my name. Sorry. Bring it, bro. Now. You, all right. Here we go. Real quick. You can trust the communists to be communists. 1960. It's Dr. Fred Schwartz. Go on the Internet. You can get it on Amazon for like $4. I got to tell you, Patrick, almost all of my reading comes from uh, the mid-20th century when the the culture of this country as it was connected to uh, the American experiment uh, was dying. And there were a lot of people writing books and stuff uh, uh, trying to forestall the death throes. Those are great books. Thank you, Patrick. Anybody wants to hear that recommendation or this show can go to PropagandaReportDaily.com in a few days and see that. This is Monica Perez. I'll be back next week, uh, 3 to 5. And right now I'm going to leave you with uh, uh, an impression of Comey's um, verity. Here you go, and goodbye. I don't have concerns about President Trump's physical fitness, whether he has dementia. I've read stuff like that. I don't buy it. I don't think he's mentally, mentally unfit. I've read stuff about that he's, you know, this bit about dementia and whatnot. I don't buy that. I don't buy the stuff about him being mentally incompetent or early stages of dementia. He seems to be a person of above average intelligence. He seems to be a person of above average intelligence. He strikes me as a person of above average intelligence. He follows, tracks a conversation, all those kinds of things. Who's tracking conversations and knows what's going on. My concern is 
with his moral fitness. I don't believe he's morally fit to be president of the United States. I actually believe he's morally unfit to be president. I think he's morally unfit to be president. And I say that because, and I say it because someone who is able to see moral equivalence in Charlottesville, a person who sees moral equivalence across both sides in Charlottesville, a person who sees moral equivalence in Charlottesville, or to speak and treat women like they're pieces of meat, who treats and speaks about women like pieces of meat, who talks about and treats women like they're pieces of meat, and to lie constantly, and who lies constantly, who lies constantly. That collection of attributes makes a person morally unfit to be a leader, no less the president of the United States. That person's not fit to lead, no less to be the leader of the free world, the president of the United States. That person's not fit to be president of the United States on moral grounds.